Well, glory to God. We're going to be over in the book of John chapter 2 today. There was a story that a person told about the church coffee pot. Now, if if we had a church coffee pot, it would probably stay empty. It was up to me. But they had a little sign up there, and they would say, whoever drank the last cup of coffee was supposed to make more coffee and fill it back up again. And so this apparently was not going on. In the, in the church office or in the church where the people were, they were using the, drinking the coffee, but then somebody would drink the last cup of coffee and then just leave it there empty. And it, it wouldn't get filled. So this person who was taking charge of the coffee pot and trying to get things going in the right way uh, put a little sign up there about, about what would Jesus do. And it read this way, If Jesus drank the last cup of coffee, what would he have done? And she put on the end of it, go thou and do likewise. Well, the next morning, she came to the coffee pot and found it empty. And next to the note that she had put on there about drinking the last cup, she wrote this on there, Jesus would have turned it into wine. (laughs) Well, I guess you can't always do what Jesus would do, huh? We're going to look at the story here today of Jesus turning the water into wine, not coffee. In John chapter 2 and verse 1, it said, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. How both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, he's just getting started in his ministry. He has already started in his ministry. The disciples have been chosen. He's been anointed. Things are, are going. I think maybe mom recognized that there was a change in her son, that it wasn't quite the same way before. The anointing was now on him. And so she was trying to tap into this. And it seems that Jesus is just a guest here at the wedding, but it seems that Mary is a little bit more. I don't know what that means. I don't know if uh, it was a relative that was getting married and maybe she was somehow involved with the uh, preparations for it. But somehow she felt like there was some responsibility in her part to make sure that they didn't run out of wine. That was a big deal for them. Now, wine for them isn't the same thing as wine for us. From what I understand, they had uh, a lower alcohol content in their wine than we do in our wine today. I think I still wouldn't like it. But at any rate... They had, the, they had the wine. How many people here like wine? And it's okay. doesn't mean that you're unsafe. <laughs> it's perfectly fine to go ahead and like wine. There's nothing. That they drank it. Jesus drank it. He even used that as an example. John the Baptist, he didn't drink wine. And you thought he was bad. I come with you drinking wine and you think I'm bad. So apparently there's, there's no, uh, no, no deal with that. Now people always get on, get on you for what you drink. How many people get on you for what you drink? You know, they always say, you're not drinking enough water. Anybody hear that? You're not drinking enough water. You need to drink more water. Drinking too much coffee. Drinking too much of this or not enough of this. So they always got all kinds of, of things that they, they want to tell you about because everybody's got an opinion. And they want to share it with you. They want to push it off on you. You know, it's, uh, I don't know. Drink what you like. Listen to your spirit. If your spirit is telling you you're drinking too much coffee, quit it. If your spirit is not telling you you're drinking too much coffee, don't worry about it. Don't listen to other people, especially don't listen to those professionals out there in the health field because they keep changing their mind. You know, one time milk is bad for you, then milk is good for you. Coffee is bad for you. Now coffee, I understand, is good for you. Wait a couple of years, it's probably going to be bad for you again. Nothing happens to the coffee. The coffee is still the same, but it just, uh, it changes up. So if you think wine is bad for you and you don't drink wine because you think it's bad, that's fine. Jesus apparently didn't think it was bad because he drank it and even turned some water into wine. And that was, uh, that was fine. We always get a kick out of this in verse 4. Jesus said to her, Woman, do not follow Jesus' example and call your mom woman. <laughs> That's not a good idea. And Jesus is only doing this because she is not coming to him as her son. She is coming to him as the Son of God. She saw the change in him. 
she saw the anointing on him, and so he didn't address her as his mom. I think it's more along those kind of a that kind of a line. But whatever, mom notices the difference. He's not quite the same. Verse five. His mother said to the servants, "Whatever he says, do you do it?" Now, on this series, we've been looking at uh, taking care of things when people are injured, people are hurt. How do you how do you have faith to be healed from an injury? And that's what we've been been looking at. Last time we looked at the blind man, blind Bartimaeus, who threw away his cloak, and that was his special blind man's cloak that gave him permission to uh, beg in the common places, in the in the marketplace, in the places where there were lots of people. So that gave him that. But he cast it away. He threw it away to come to Jesus. We saw the only other time that word was used was when the Word of God says, don't cast away your confidence. Don't throw away your faith, your confidence. Hang on to that. That sometimes we are casting away the wrong thing. He cast away what was holding him back. Sometimes we cast away our faith, our confidence, instead of hanging on to these things. So, let's go on here with this. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. So we, we saw in most of the examples we've been looking at, is that when you're dealing with sickness and disease, Jesus Christ has gained authority over that. And he's given that authority to you. He's passed that authority on to you. You have authority over sickness and disease. So if sickness and disease is going to come near your body, come into your body, you have authority to take, you, you can speak to it and tell it to go. But when you get in the area of injury, there's nothing to take authority over. It's not caused by sickness and disease. It's caused by a dam- something got damaged. And th- there's still healing for that. Jesus showed many times that there were healings for it. But this is done by the power of God. And we're looking at the ways that we tap into that. Sometimes we saw that he just laid hands on people. We saw the, the three cases of leprosy that we were looking at. And in one of those cases, he, uh, he just laid his hands on them and said, be clean. And he was. But the other ones, he gave them something to do. And the way they tapped into the authority was to do what was said to do. We spent some time looking at how we can put ourselves in a place to hear. Many Christians don't put themselves in a place to hear. They haven't developed their hearing. They haven't done the, the, the things necessary to get them in a, in a place to hear. Now, we'll do this naturally. If you're, um, if you're at home, how many last Sunday were watching the Eagles game? And it got a little noisy and you're trying to hear something and you can't quite hear it. So what do you do? Either hit pause on the remote to, to stop the noise or, or turn the volume down or you, you take some kind of action because right now these other things are making noise and I can't hear what I need to hear uh, right now. Somebody was calling to you from the other room, you know, asking you if you want some more ribs, if you want some more nachos, if you want some more pizza, something like that. And you wanted to hear those things. What is it that you're asking me if I want more of? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I want some more of that. They don't holler out. When you're watching a football game, the, 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 if you're at the right house, if you're at the wrong house, maybe they do. But if you're at the right house, they don't holler out, do you want more asparagus? Do you want more green beans? These are not football-watching foods. We don't, we don't need those. Get out, cast out the green beans the asparagus, and the Brussels sprouts. They have no place in a football game. <laughs> so there we go. Cast them away. Cast, get them out. Get them. Just like blind Bartimaeus did with his, his cloak. But he says here, whatever he says to you, do it. So she's priming these folks up. Whatever he says to you, do it. So that means Jesus is going to say some things. He's going to speak some things. He's going to proclaim something to do. And as we've looked at in the past, most every time that Jesus says to do something, it is to do something that would seem to have no bearing on changing the situation. Go wash in the pool. Well, I've washed in that pool many times. It's never, never fixed my blind eyes. Why do I need to go fix, go, go, how is I going to fix it if I go do that now? What do you mean stretch forth my hand? Whatever he says to you, do it. Now, there were set 
there are six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Now, just think about this. Six water pots of stone holding 20 to 30 gallons apiece. Now, whenever I see something like this, I think in my own, I'm in my own realm here in this one, I think of a 20 or 30 gallon fish tank because I can immediately visualize a 20 or a 30 gallon fish tank and I can see how much water is that. I can get an idea. Can you imagine a stone a stone pitcher that was able to hold 20 or 30 gallons. Let's just go with the, the mean part here. Let's say that average 25 gallons apiece. Six of them would be 150 gallons of water. 150 gallons of water is what we're going to put into these stone, stone deals. Now, I don't know how heavy the stone vessel would be, but can you imagine a stone vessel the size of a 25-gallon fish tank. That's going to be some weight, isn't it? I can tell you how much 25 gallons of water weighs. It's roughly, it's, I mean, it's just slightly, slightly less. I think it's nine point some pounds per gallon, but I just rounded off to 10. So you're looking at about 250 pounds. So if you wonder why they don't take the stone things out to where the water is and fill it up, it's because you'd be carrying back 250 pounds worth of water plus the weight of the stone vessel. That's a lot. So they went out there and they got the water and they, they carried that, that over. This is not easy. How many people, when was the last time you carried 150 gallons worth of water? Anybody done that recently? I mean, just carried. I mean, you go to the store, how many buy the one gallon things of water? You know what that is? One, one gallon. One. Imagine 150 of them. We've got to get them and, and put them into here. It's not easy. So now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim. Now this is interesting. He says, fill them up with water. If you had... If you uh, and we're not taking a hose in this day and age, you don't go out and you get, grab the hose and take the hose and point it to the pot and fill it up. You got to go somewhere and get the water, and then bring that water over here. So whatever it is that you can carry. So if you can carry twenty or thirty pounds on that trip, that's two or three gallons. How many trips does it take if you're carrying two or three gallons? And I don't know how far they had to go, but they had to go at least some kind of a distance and to go out there and to get the water. And what do they want? They want wine. What are they getting? Water. Now, if somebody told you, if you, you were at the, at the house, you were getting ready for your Super Bowl party and you were figuring what kind of a beverage can we serve for our Super Bowl party? And if you have me come over, you all know what you ought to serve. I have plenty of Diet Coke, and I'm a happy guy. Get some Diet Coke in there, maybe some chocolate milk. But, uh, you know, then we're, then we're good. But you might be iced tea, and iced tea might be good. Can you imagine having the people come over to the house, and you need 150 gallons worth of iced tea? And so somebody comes to you and says, well... Fill these containers up with water. Right, we don't want water. We want, we want iced tea. How many folks like iced tea? And iced tea is good. You don't find too many people who don't like iced tea. There are a few out there who don't. That's all right. But iced tea is good. But everybody's got different iced tea. And as much as I don't like McDonald's, they do make a good iced tea. I like their iced tea. But you may have certain ones. You say, I don't like this one's iced tea. I've gone into restaurants, you know, said tried their iced tea out. Oh, it's awful. I don't like it. But if you had water instead of iced tea, well, you've got to go through quite a process to turn that water into iced tea. Why are we getting all this water? We need iced tea. 
Well, this is even worse because the process of turning, turning water into iced tea is feasible. I can understand how to do that. But how do you turn water into wine? We want wine. We're asked to get water. So just think about this. There's no healing from injury going on in this story. But the same principles is being applied that we see in the other ones. That's why we're looking at this particular one. Jesus says, Mom says, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever it is. Okay. These guys can listen. It amazes me every time I go through this story that these guys can listen. Because I'll guarantee you, even in this church of believing saints, nine out of ten of us are going to say, why? why? Why should we do that? That's a lot of water to haul up here. I got to do a lot of, a lot of hauling of water to get it into, into the container here. This, is, um, this isn't good. I, I don't like hauling all this water. Closest I come to this is sometimes in the winter we get to put some water into the pond that's out back. And in the wintertime, the hose is frozen. So you can't just turn the hose on and fill it up. So what we have to do is I have to get some of my buckets I have for the fish tank, fill them up with water, and carry the stuff outside. And then dump it in and then go back in and carry some more. That's the closest I can come to it. And I guarantee you it's not nearly as bad as whatever it is that they had to do. But they, no, no question. Fill them up with water? All right. And they didn't just fill them up. They filled them up to the brim. They did, we can still fit a little bit more in there. A little bit more room we have in there. We can still do a little bit more. Let's fill it all the way up. And they go out and they get some more. And they bring it in. And when they're all done, they come back and they get Jesus. Fill the water pots with water. And they fill them up to the brim. The more I read this, the more I say, most people don't do this. Most people are not just going to fill it up without asking questions. We don't want water. We need wine. We need wine, not water. Why are we doing it? Why are we going through all this work? When I have to do that trip to the, to the pond, the buckets I have are 10-gallon buckets. 10 gallons times 10, that's it's about 100 pounds. Take that bucket. I don't fill it up to the brim. I'm a little bit further down because I got to carry it and it's going to splash all over. But I don't like doing it. That's a lot of weight to be, be carrying around. But they did it. And they don't ask any questions. If they had asked questions, we wouldn't be reading about this story. The story wouldn't be in there. But it is in there because they did it. Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up. And look what the Bible puts in there. Up to the brim. The Bible wanted to make sure that you understood that Jesus said to fill them up. And they filled them all the way up. I wonder if they even filled them up a little bit more so that it ran down over the sides. So that they were all the way up to the brim. Now, whatever he, as in Jesus, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever Jesus says. Not your desires. Not your misconceptions. And as Brother Jolly was talking about, not your ignorance. Not your desires, not your misconceptions, not your ignorance. We a lot of times want to speak out of these things. Or we hear those words. Not whatever your desire says. My desire says, I don't want to haul the water in here. Right? That's my desire. I know how much work is going to be. You're just sitting there saying what we have to do. We're the ones that actually have to go out there and do it. How about you help? 
How many of you would have been saying that? Jesus won't be glad to do that. How about you help? You come along with us. But they never asked for Jesus' help. They just went out there and they did it. Not your misconceptions. Because sometimes we have some misconceptions. We've got some things going on in our, in our heads that, um, you know, there, there are some misconceptions that go on. We've got some, some things that we're just not quite connecting everything to you. We, we make one connection. We make one connection and we say, oh, this is, this is it. I've had it a few times. I've gone to some doctors about some, some uh, issues I was having. And uh, I'll tell you what, to it, almost to every single one of them, almost to every single one of them, once they find out that I like Diet Coke, they will attribute every single problem I have to Diet Coke. As soon as they find out that I like Diet Coke, oh, that's probably why you have that problem. Here's what's amazing to me. I don't smoke. I have never smoked. I have never puffed on a cigarette. I have never taken any illegal drugs. I barely take the legal ones. I twist my arm sometimes for that. I don't drink any alcohol. None. Not a drop. Because I don't like it. I don't eat a whole lot of processed food. I don't go to McDonald's for food. I stay away from a lot of the fast food places. And yet, everyone wants to say, well, this is their problem. Uh-huh. I've had doctors who will do it. They, they, they take alcohol, smoke cigarettes, and yet they want to tell me my problem <laughs> is Diet Coke. I think it's just a little bit ridiculous. I always tell them, I says, I don't believe it because I understand what went, what went on in the studies. You see, I was going to be a biology major and I understand what goes on in those studies. I don't trust the studies because I know how they have to fudge them in order to get their funding. And they do. They have to fudge them. And uh, when I was going through... How many remember saccharin? How many remember no saccharin is bad for you? Yeah, you know why you know that? Because they did tests on laboratory mouse and they gave the laboratory mouse the equivalent of three bathtubs full of saccharin per day. Now, what happens if you put three dead bathtubs full of saccharin in anyone in a day? That's not going to be very good, is it? Three bathtubs full of saccharin because, you see, they want to see what the results are, so they want to try and speed it up. Well, that's ridiculous because nobody's going to drink that in a year. And you're dumping it on those poor little laboratory mouse in a, in a day. That's just crazy. That's why I don't trust a lot of these studies that they do because I know what was going involved in the studies. I know a lot more than that too. I'm not going to bore you with the details. But you see, we, we, we have these misconceptions. I think this is wrong. I think this won't have an effect. I think this won't change anything. And because I have that thought... It affects how I listen. It affects how I hear. Because I have that misconception. So don't listen to your desires because your desires would say, I don't want to bring the water up. Your misconceptions would say, putting water in the containers is not going to give us wine. And your ignorance will be basically, what good would this do? Now, you can say whatever in a couple of different ways. She says to him, whatever he says, do it, right? Uh, you could say it this way, whatever he says, whatever it might be, I don't care how outlandish it is, or you can do like those, uh, I've only seen it by the, you know, the young little girls, teenage girls, whatever. Like, I don't care. You can say it in such a way as I don't care, or you can say, look, focus on this, whatever he says. Of course, that's how, how Mary is saying this. Whatever he says to you, he's going to speak something. And whatever he says to you, 
Not what he says is not what he says is somebody you know. Not something that you feel comfortable with. Not your perception of your ability. Your perception of your ability does not come into play here. Whatever he says to you, do it. Now here's the problem is that I hear that Jesus told so-and-so to throw or to, to go wash in the pool. Oh, well then I just have to go wash in the pool. But that's what he said to somebody else. He said to the man, stretch forth your hand. That doesn't mean every time somebody stretches forth their hand, it's going to produce healing. Jesus has said that to him. Whatever he says to you, you've got to get yourself in a position to hear what he is saying to you. Because what he says to somebody else has no bearing on your life. What he says to you does. What is he saying to you? Whatever he says to you, do it. You can all see the little Nike brand right there, right? Just do it. No excuses. No whining. No judging of ability. Nor assessing practicality. I don't see how this will really help. I don't see how this is practical. I don't see how this is... Whatever he says to you, do it. Most Christians, and I didn't miss, miss say that, most Christians are not in a place spiritually to do what he says to do. That number goes even higher how many people can't hear. God can't speak to them. God can't tell them because they're not in a place to hear. We spent some time on that before. Don't forget it. How to get yourself in a position to hear. Make sure you're doing those things. Be listening to the Word. Because sometimes you're listening to the Word on something, on a whole other matter, and then all of a sudden, here it comes. We, uh, we spent some time on it, uh, was it last week, the week before? Then a lot of times, I think it was last week. Last week, we look at what is written in the Word, and we're not doing it. If I don't do what is written, how am I going to do what's spoken? I got to first off graduate off the level of doing what is written and then I can get to the place where it's spoken and then I can get on that place where I can find out what is his will, what is he revealing to me and begin to do those things. All right, so whatever he says to you, do it. Now Jesus only spoke and did what the Father told him to speak and showed him to do, Right? John chapter 12, verse 49, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. The New Living Translation puts it this way, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. So if Jesus is going to say, fill the water pots with water, if Jesus is going to say that, what does that tell us about that? It came from the Father. If he says, stretch forth your hand, where did it come from? It came from the Father. If he says, take up your bed and walk, where does that come from? It comes from the Father. Whatever he says by his words, he heard his Father say it. So he had to be in a place where he heard his Father say it. So think of it this way. Not only are we needed to do what Jesus says, but Jesus had to do what his father said. And so coming into that situation, the father says to him, tell them to fill the water pots with water. And Jesus had to believe that. And then tell them, fill the water pots with water. Well, that's Jesus, you know. It's, he was tempted in every way such as we were. He heard the Father say it. He said it to them. Fill the water pots with water. John chapter 5, verse 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. 
So with these two verses, we find out that Jesus only said what he heard the Father say and only did what he saw the Father do. So when he spit on the ground and made clay and smeared it on the eyes, where did he get that idea from? He saw the Father do it. Isn't that interesting? The New Living Translation translates this verse this way. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. So Jesus is doing exactly what he's telling us to do. Whatever he hears and sees, he does and speaks. And we've got to do the same thing. But I've got to get myself to a place where I can hear. Can you imagine being in a place spiritually that you could see the Father spit on the ground and make clay and smear it on somebody's eyes and then say, go wash in the pool? Wow. Jesus didn't have to just come up with that. The Father did it. The Father came up with it. And He showed it. Showed it to Jesus. That means, in whatever situation you find yourself, the Father has a way to get you out. You just got to listen to Him. Put yourself in a position to hear. And when He speaks to you, then you need to do it. Whatever He says to you, do it. So they did the first thing. And they went out and they filled the water pots with water. Filled them up to the brim with plain, simple water. Now this is something many years ago we, we gave you. I think it's about four or so years ago. I gave it this list. I'm going to give it to you again. I came upon this before and I said, we, we need to get into this again. Just remind you. But there's five stages of speech. If you recall this. That one of the stages that we enter into is that I speak whatever I know. I speak whatever I know. I know some things. I speak them. Now you, you have some examples of this and we're going to give you some. People right around with you. I, I, I couldn't put all these subnotes in it. If you want to write any of these things down, feel free to. I gave you some room there. Maybe it's truth. Maybe it's not. But I know it. How many of you all, you all know not everything you know is truth. Some of the stuff I know is not founded on truth. It's false. But I don't know it because I think it's true. Maybe it's truth. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's helpful. <laughs> maybe it's not. Some of you people in the medical profession may hear people say things they're doing to help themselves and you may say, well, that's not going to do any good from the expertise, from the things that you've learned. Basically, I heard it, I remember it, so I say it. Now, you may run into this. How many times are you having a conversation with somebody and you're trying to get a point across, you're trying to tell them about something and you're, you're speaking it to them, all of a sudden, something you said triggered something in their mind and they went off on something that they know. Had no relationship to what you were talking about at all. It's way out here. And we were over here talking and now we're... We're over here because they know something and they wanted to say, have you ever had a conversation like that with people? Just you somehow triggered something in their head and they went and they, they went off here. You see, you can't learn anything if you keep talking. I heard that from, from somebody. He said, if I'm quiet, I can learn. As long as I'm talking, I'm not learning. You got to listen to what other people have to say if you're going to learn. But then they're out there and they're spending all that time on on things, Brother Hagen or uh, Brother Keith one time told a story where uh, somebody, some minister was, was invited into the, um, the speaker's preparation room with Brother Hagen. And Brother Keith was uh, uh, helping Brother Hagen out and he was in the room with him. And this minister came in with Brother, before the meeting. I was surprised this went on before the meeting, but it was before the meeting. And this, um, this man came into the room and sat down to have a conversation with, with Brother Hagin. And he talked the whole time about what God had done in his ministry. The, the man did, not Brother Hagin. What God had done in his ministry, different things he'd accomplished, all this sort of stuff. And after a while, Brother Hagin just said, well, that's all I have time for right now. I need to go. And he left. And Brother Keith was thinking, man, he could have been sitting there 
listening to some of the things that Brother Hagin would have had to share, and that would have been a lot more beneficial. Instead, he just talked about what he knew. We got to get out of that kind of a stage. You got to have some discipline. You got to be able to not just be distracted. Just because you know something doesn't mean you speak it out. Sometimes you just need to hush. But that's one stage that we're in. I know it, so I'm going to say it. They may say, you know, this such and such is going around. Well, how do you know that? Well, I heard it on the news. Well, you may have heard that. That doesn't mean that it's true. It doesn't mean you need to repeat it. But that's one of the things that we do. In John chapter 9, verse 1, Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is a day. While it is day, the night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, we talked about this a few weeks ago. I bring this up just to show you this. Who sinned, this man or his parents? They're speaking out of what they know. In order for this man to be born blind, someone must have sinned. And apparently what they knew was wrong because Jesus said neither. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. So just because they knew it, they spoke it. But apparently that wasn't right. Here's the second one. Whatever I understand. Whatever I understand. So if you're in this, this place... I may know some things, but I'm a, I at least have the uh, discretion to wait a little bit and try and understand the thing that I know before I go and speak it out. I meditate on it for a, a little while, get a hold of the meaning of the thing, understand it. In Mark chapter 9, verse 2, and he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Now, after six days... Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining exceedingly white like snow such as no launderer on the earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Because he did not know what to say. For they were greatly afraid. And a cloud came and overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. Or some places render it, listen to him. Well, they perceived what was going on. That Jesus was on the mount with Moses and Elijah. So they, they, they didn't just speak to something that they knew. They had an understanding of what was happening there. And they spoke it out. But apparently... This was not the time to speak this thing out, even though what they understood was correct. That this was Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. He didn't know what else to say, so let's just build a tabernacle. See, sometimes you may have an understanding on the thing, but just quit talking. Just don't open up your mouth. You've got to learn how to get to that, that spot. Because as long as we're opening up our mouth, I'm not listening. And if I'm not listening, I can't hear. Sometimes we need to, to hear. So that's the second stage. Here's the third stage. Whatever I feel. You ever had people come up to you? I feel like you need to hear this. <laughs> it's, it may not do you any good at all. Or they, they come up to you. I, I feel like I need to clear the air between us. And you didn't think there was any air to clear. What do you mean you need to clear the air? I didn't know anything was going on. I feel offended or such, whatever it might be, and you speak out of that offense. I know what the Word of God says, but I don't feel like, and you say what you don't feel like. I know the Word of God says I'm forgiven, but I don't feel forgiven. I know the Word of God says I'm saved, but I don't feel saved. I know the Word of God says I have victory, but I don't feel like I have the victory. And we're, we're stuck in that stage where the only thing we speak is the things we feel. If I feel healed, 
then I'll say I'm healed. If I don't feel healed, I don't say I'm healed. If I feel I'm victorious, then I'll say I'm victorious. But see, that's not what the Word of God tells us to do. But that's a third stage there. We're speaking out of our feelings. Your feelings are inconsequential. It makes no difference what you feel. Feelings and faith are different. In Mark chapter 8, verse 31, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God but the things of men. So he hears Jesus talking about his death and resurrection. He doesn't feel like that ought to be going on. And so he comes to Jesus and says, You ought not to be talking like this. Because that's what he felt. Well, he was wrong and Jesus put him in his place. You cannot speak out of your feelings if you want to grow. Here's the fourth one. Whatever I reason. Matthew chapter 16, verse 5. Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. And Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. See, Jesus is teaching them a principle here. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But they couldn't hear it. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Nor the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? How is it that you do not understand that I do not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven? of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You see, they, they didn't perceive this right. They heard what Jesus was saying, but because they had something else on their mind, they reasoned and they came out this way. We do this many times with things God speaks to us. We reason out. All right, well, God's saying this, so I'm... I'm trying to figure out what, he's, what he wants me to do, what he's meaning. And we reason. And we come to a conclusion. And it's a wrong conclusion. What if these guys had done that? What if Jesus said, fill the water pots with water? And they reasoned among themselves and said, does he really mean plain water? Maybe we should get some flavored or some colored water or what did they reason among themselves did he really say to fill it see we reason among ourselves and we take away from the power of what the word of God has said to us we need to get ourselves to the place folks where God is speaking to us and I can hear it and I don't reason among myself when God speaks to me and says eat some asparagus I don't reason among myself that I don't like asparagus. I don't reason among myself. I say, yes, sir. I will do that. Now, I'm not saying that somebody else told you to eat asparagus. I'm saying the Lord told you to eat asparagus. If somebody else comes up and says, eat some asparagus, I'll tell them no. Because I don't like asparagus. And you're not going to make me like it. I don't care how you cooked it. I don't care how you prepped it. I don't like it. I think it's gross and disgusting. To the highest order. But if God comes to me and says, Steve, eat asparagus, guess what I'm going to do? I have to get myself into to a place where I don't reason that out. I don't speak out of what I know, but I don't like asparagus. I know that. and I don't speak out of what I know. I don't like asparagus. I don't try and speak out of understanding. Well, what is it that asparagus is doing for me? Let's see. If I do this vegetable over here, that's bringing me the same nutrients that asparagus does. And I like those vegetables. I'll eat those instead. Right? So I didn't do what God said. I, I worked out of my understanding. That's not necessarily helpful, is it? 
having my feelings. If I speak out of my feelings. Well, I don't feel like eating asparagus. Not only do I not like it, I don't feel like eating asparagus right now. So I'm not going to. Or we can reason out, whatever it might be. But you see, all these things are going to hinder us. They're going to hold us back. The disciples reasoned it is because we took, we brought no bread. That had absolutely nothing to do about it. And notice what Jesus related to this. Why is it you have so little faith? He related their faith to this. So here's the last one. And this is the area we need to be at. This is where we need to get to. We need to leave all those other ones behind because they are not going to help you. And as long as you walk in speaking out of what you know, what you understand, what you feel, what you reason, you will hinder your spiritual development. There's the last one, what is revealed. What is revealed. In John chapter 12, verse 44, Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in, him, in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe them, I do not judge him. For I did not, ju- did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. This is the level that Jesus is on. He allows the Father to reveal things to him that he then goes and speaks out. And now just because he, it was revealed, don't have time to go through all this, but there is much that Jesus had that was revealed that he did not speak. Remember, he didn't speak to the disciples about his death and resurrection until after it was revealed to them that he was the Christ. And then he began to speak that. He had that all along, but he didn't speak it. When you walk in this this area and the Spirit of God begins to reveal things to you and then you speak them out, but you, you have discernment. When should I speak it? Should I speak this here? Should I not speak this here? You're operating on a much different level than most Christians do. If you really want to grow spiritually, this is the level you must operate in. As long as you operate in speaking what you know, what you understand what you feel, and what you reason, you are only bolstering your flesh, not your spirit. Many Christians cannot discern the Spirit of God from other spirits. And they will come to someone and say, I believe the Spirit of God is telling me this about you. And they're wrong. And it will hinder you. Be careful in this area, but... But when God begins to speak things to you and reveals things to you and you understand when you should speak it and when you should not and who you should speak it to, it takes you on a whole nother level. A level like Jesus was at. Stretch forth your hand. Spitting on the ground, making clay and taking someone whose eyes are blind and restoring them. Telling someone, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And they wash and they're clean. Many Christians are not in a place to hear. They think what they're hearing is God. But all that they're hearing is stuff that they know. Stuff that they understand. Stuff that they feel. Oh, I'll tell you what, the number of Christians who what they feel takes the place of what the Spirit of God is saying. Well, I don't feel like God would say that. I don't feel like that section of Scripture is saying that. It's going to hinder you. It's going to hold you back. 
your body may have some kind of injury, something that needs restoration to it. And I want to tell you this. I was listening to um, Brother Keith, Brother Keith Moore, and he was teaching on this. And uh, I kept thinking we were going to get over to this this um, particular um, episode. But there's a very glaring injury in the Word of God we didn't touch yet. Do you remember when Jesus was in the garden and Peter took his sword and struck somebody and their ear was cut off? I mean, that's as glaring of an injury as you can get, isn't it? And Jesus didn't speak to him to do anything, did he? What did he do? He picked up his ear and he touched him and it was restored. Why did he do that? I think it's simple. If he doesn't do that, Peter's in trouble. And one of the scriptures that was said is, I didn't lose any of mine. He didn't lose any of his disciples. And that could have been, he could have lost Peter right there on that one. Because if you took your sword out and cut off the, just imagine it today. If you took a sword out and cut off the ear of a police officer who was coming to haul you away, what would happen? It would not go well for you, would it? But if Jesus heals him, touches them, and, and they come in there to report, we have an incident report, so-and-so got his ear cut off. He did. I, 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 he's got two ears. Well, yeah, the guy we brought in healed him. Well, how are you going to press charges on that? You really can't do anything. So I think Jesus did that just to help Peter out. But, but think of it this way. This is what uh, Brother Keith was, uh, was sharing about this. If you want to see the will of God go on, Jesus demonstrated that it was his will to heal somebody who came for the purpose of arresting him and dragging him before the people who were going to torture him and beat him and crucify him. If his will was to heal one who came for the purpose of arresting him, to do ill, to do harm to him, how much more is his will to heal you? I enjoyed that. That was, that was good. I hadn't thought of that before. How much more is it his will to heal you? God wants you healed. He wants to speak some things to you. But you've got to get yourself on a higher level. Get yourself moving, moving on. We didn't finish this passage out here yet. Let's finish this off. Chapter 2 of John, verse 8. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. What are they drawing out? As far as they know, they're drawing out water, folks. When did the, when did the lepers become cleansed? On their way to see the high priest. The debate is always on, when does the water turn to wine? I'm pretty sure it turns to wine on the way to take it to the master of the ceremonies to test it out. I think when they pulled it out of there and they put it into the cup, I think it's still water. I think they could tell this is still water. We just pulled out water. We're taking water to the master of the ceremonies. Taking water. There's water in there. And we're taking it to him. I mean, if it wasn't water, if it was wine already, I think they'd be excited. There's no act of faith. I think it's still water. Remember what Jesus said to the to the tenth leper? Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. How did the water turn into wine? Is it an act of power on the part of Jesus? Or was it the act of faith on the part of the servants? If we compare it to the other verses of Scripture, it's the act of faith of the servants to turn the water into wine. Jesus just gave the commands. They had to follow them. Are you putting yourself in a place that you can hear these things? He is always willing to speak them. And apparently they're out there to speak. Didn't we get the idea at the beginning of this story that Jesus didn't want anything to do with it? I got that idea. Why is this my problem? Why are you bringing this to me? But his mother turns to him and says, whatever he says to you, do it. And when the master of the feast 
had tasted the water that was made wine, did not know where it come from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. But you have kept the good wine until now. In other words, you know, you get more drunk, you can't tell that it's bad wine. I suppose. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. So you see, his disciples were already selected. They're already there. They're already with him. Constantly, we see in the Word of God that things changed. Water changed from its natural state of being water into a state of being wine. Leprosy changed from being leprosy into being perfectly healthy skin. Withered hands change from being withered hands to being fully restored hands. Blind eyes change from being eyes they couldn't see to eyes they could see. Lame people went from not being able to walk to leaping and praising God because they did what God said to do. But the first thing you have to do is put yourself in a position to hear. The first thing you need to do is when God has written something in His Word, do it. That phrase, whatever He says to you, do it. You ought to put that on your refrigerator. That ought to be your refrigerator verse for this week. Whatever He says to you, do it. That's whatever He says to you in the Word. Whatever He speaks to you in His Spirit and whatever He reveals to you. But if you don't get the written stuff down, how can He get you to the level of hearing what he speaks. And if you're not obeying what he speaks, how can he get to the place where he will speak revelation? See, many times, folks, the reason that we haven't got our healing is because we want to be like Naaman. I just thought they would come out, wave their hand, call on their God, and I'd be healed. And that's what we want. We don't want to actually have to go out and wash dip in the Jordan. We don't actually want to have to do these things. What do you mean I have to go on a diet? God should just heal me. What do you mean I have to start exercising? What do you mean I have to do? And we can list all the different things. Don't question. If God has said, do such and such, then just do it. Just go out there and do it. Whatever He says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, when you get yourself to that place, your life will change. If you want to see spiritual growth, get out of the first four stages and get into that great stage of revelation. Don't speak out of what you know. Don't speak out of what you understand. Don't speak out of what you feel. Don't speak out of all these things. Speak what he reveals to you. See what the Father is saying. See what the Father is doing. And do these things. I'll tell you what, we'll have great results. We read over some scriptures for you last time. These are things that we could just do what is written in the Word of God. Just do what is written in the Word of God. Oh, it will help us out. If we could just do what's written in the Word of God in 1 Corinthians 13. And loving other people. And believing the best in others. And being forgiving. Long-suffering. And all those beautiful words that it uses. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, we change our life. We change our life. Would you all stand up with me? Father, I thank you. That you have good things in store for us. No matter what it is that is wrong in our body. You are the God that heals. If you are willing to heal someone who was an enemy, how much more one who is a friend? Father, we want to put ourselves in a place that we can hear what it is that you are speaking to us. We want to put ourselves in a place where we are speaking out of habit, out of those things that are revealed to us 
not those things that are merely in our knowledge, understanding, feelings, and reasonings. We want to put ourselves in a place, Father, where we can grow. You have a way for us to overcome whatever is wrong in our body. Sometimes it's just a transfer of power laying on of hands. And sometimes it's an obedience to the command of God. We want to always be listening and always be hearing. We don't want what you speak to others. We want to hear what you speak to us. Whatever he says to you, do it. So, Father, our ears are listening, and we're ready. And you're going to be speaking things to us that not only change our life, but will change the life of those that we're in contact with. That we can help those around us that are caught up in sickness and disease, injury, need restoration. We can hear from God for them. I thank you for it, Father. We give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. As you begin to hear some things, put yourself in a position, you begin to hear some things. Don't forget, write out a praise report. Write out something. Let us know. God spoke this to me. I did this. Oh, the results that came. That encourages other people. Helps other people to do the same thing. Glory to God. We're going to be, um, Wednesday night we're going to be over in the book of Hebrews again. We had a fun time looking at Melchizedek. We went back into Genesis and looked at the the beginning. If you, if you missed that, I think one of the most interesting things of that whole passage is that before Abraham goes into battle, he's on his way to battle, he does not stop by the priest and get prayed for. But on his way back from the battle, he stops by the priest and gets blessed. And when you look at what he got in that battle, you would think that would be the blessing. You would think that all the wealth of all those kings and all the things that they had brought in, you would think that would have been the blessing. But it said afterwards that Melchizedek blessed him. We're going to be looking more into that aspect here this Wednesday. And that will be, uh, be going on. Friday night, guys, we have the uh, car show. Hope you all come along with us for that car show. We're going to be, you can meet down there at 6 or you can drive down with, with people going on down. Uh, see Keith or see myself on your way out. We'll uh, help you out with, with that part. Love to see you guys. It's a great night of fellowship, even if you don't like cars. It's okay. We have, uh, we have lots, of, lots of fun with that. Oh, thank you. Linda is requesting pr- um, prayer. That says praise report. This is a prayer request. I got you. Okay. I figured because I, I, I know where they are. <laughs> they weren't going to be here. Uh, requesting prayer that her aunt be, thank you, be, be found. She has been missing since 2 p.m. yesterday. Oh, okay. All right, so Linda's aunt is uh, missing. She has dementia. And then Ento. On Friday, I went to order lunch through the drive-thru at Panera Bread. They have a drive-thru? Wow, I didn't know that. Um, again, it's not anybody's handwriting. It really is not. Ento has very neat handwriting. Very neat. I wouldn't. I would not have this neat of handwriting. Now, if you, yeah. Now, if you didn't know, the chocolate pastry is my favorite dessert to order and is a must-have. When I returned to work, I opened up the bag and found not only one pastry, but two. Glory be to God. <laughs> it was a great lunch. I ended up blessing someone else with the second pastry item. Oh, so that was a sacrifice right there. 
So now not only my afternoon was blessed with a chocolate pastry, my fellow co-worker was blessed too. <laughs> that is good. I'll tell you what, it's good to have to look for the things like that that God is, God is doing for us. Let's pray for, for Linda's. And we don't have a name on her, but we don't need that. We'll just say Linda's aunt. We know Linda, <laughs> her aunt. <laughs> Glory to God. Father, I just thank you that you just help the people that are looking for her, that they find her. You just take her, take them to the place where she is, guide their feet. You care about her. Her mind isn't in a right place where she can discern and do all the things she needs to do. But Father, you have a great care for, for this one. I thank you that you are leading those people along to find her and to bring her back to the place she needs to be. In the name of Jesus, amen. Glory to God. All right. Have a great rest of the day and bless some people. Oh, next week. Everybody know what next week is? Covered dish.